Welcome to the Elevate Together podcast, voices of change in the business of law. Hello, this is Nicole Giantonio, the head of global marketing at Elevate. The podcast episode you're about to hear is part of our next Normal Leadership Series, featuring Elevate's chairman and CEO, Liam Brown, talking with general counsel from leading organizations, law firm managing partners, and law company CEOs about leading during this time of change. Today's guest is Joey Sieber, CEO at Level Legal, a law company focused on giving legal and corporate customers the best possible solutions, simply, efficiently, and for the best value. Liam and Joey discuss an unexpected outcome from the transition to remote work, the opportunity that exists when offering a viable, dare I say, alternative option to the market, and they comment specifically on leadership within the business of law. Podcasts are evergreen, but it's helpful to note that this episode was recorded in the calendar third quarter of 2020. This conversation is really about the next normal. I'd like to talk just for a moment about before the next normal. Could you introduce what you do, what your business does, how you got to be where you are? I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I learned quickly that practicing law was not particularly entrepreneurial, at least in the way that I was doing it. So I practiced law for about four years. A couple of detours then with some other businesses, a distribution business and automotive related business. Then I served for six years as mayor of Tyler, Texas, which is my home. Six years on the council and then six years as mayor. It's a winding path to finally then end at a in a place that used both my legal education and experience and my business interest in startups and growth, and then to find a place where the two of those intersect and there's an opportunity to make a difference was really a delight. Level two started as a document review company in the depths of the Great Recession. We were born in that time in 2009. As a matter of fact, our first day in business, coincidentally, actually not my plan, was Obama's inauguration day, January 20th, 2009. If you remember that time, the fall was the big financial crisis. And then March of 2009 was the bottom of the stock market. And so things were pretty bleak. Coming out of a law firm where we just had a very small team of attorneys doing some work and then quickly branded ourselves, you coined the term, a law company, a company doing legal work for corporations and law firms. In that time, we've grown. We have at this moment, 150 or so employees, lawyers working in litigation, compliance, privacy, investigation work, still doing review of documents for production, but also in many, many other areas, assisting lawyers and in-house counsel. And we have people to do that. So in many ways, this next normal is a next, next normal or a sort of next normal revisit for you. (laughs) Always in chaos, there's opportunity, whether it's investing or whether it's in business or whether it's on the law. There are opportunities when there's dislocation, when there's crisis, when there's chaos. Key is finding what is the best path forward. Over the last couple of months, as the CEO of the business, with your legal education, what are the things that have changed about the way you think about the legal industry? What's changed about the way you think about your business as a leader? I don't think much has changed in legal. Legal is not that much different than it was four months ago. What has changed is it's accelerated. 
the same inefficiencies are there. They've just been highlighted. The same issues are there. They've just been brought to the forefront. I think what's happened in the last three or four months is that the need for change, the need for innovation accelerated. I don't think it's necessarily changed. Do you think that that is commonly held to your point about acceleration? More people are feeling the need to operate differently, manage differently, perform services differently. And those things are happening faster. People with our background, you know, we've created businesses around the opportunity for working differently. And to some degree, people might even consider us barbarians at the gate. Uh, Speaking of you, that is clearly not me. (laughs) You see these things have accelerated. Do you think that's more commonly held today than it was six months ago? Not yet. Depends on the sector. It depends on the particular firm or particular corporation. I do see the universe of people that we can see expressing an opinion. You do see more voices, but my sense, and it's just my sense, that it's not fully understood yet, that it's still a drip, drip, drip. But my sense also is that the need has been accelerated. That also implies that perhaps further down the path in the next normal, you're expecting to see the gathering of pace or sentiment is actually going to manifest in working differently. Are you changing the way that you think about investing in the business or you think about the way that you're managing the cost base of the business? How is that changing? Do you see sentiment change? We're actually doubling down, so to speak, on building infrastructure, making sure that that we're collaborating well, that we're communicating well. This has required more investment, but again, it's accelerated our innovation. We're investing even more in our own infrastructure. We've had some significant significant hires at the executive level, there's a high level of talent available now. That's a great point that you bring up talent that wasn't perhaps available six months ago. Do you think that that is a, another signal of more and more people are actually thinking about alternatives, different alternative careers, alternative ways of working? Or do you see that the unfortunate economic environment means that talented people are being practical to be thoughtful of the economics on the home front? I think it's largely economic. Even our entry-level attorneys, we are finding they're much more highly qualified pool of attorneys. We're not bound geographically. Our old normal was a single center of attorneys in several places. Now not bound by geography or the physical confines. We have more attorneys working today than we would have a capacity for four months ago we would have been bound by our old ideas of fiscal capacity. Just before we move on to working practices, at Elevate, we've seen Q2 is pretty much flat on Q1 and Q3, slight uptick, have been very, very conservative, very cautious. As you look at economics, before we talk about working practices. This is the time for courage. This is when courage is put to practice. You're making the decision. I'm making the decision. Right at the 1st of April, I was just as fearful as anybody. But I also knew that our human capital was the most important. The last thing I wanted was for our people to worry about their jobs. We work on a project basis. And so much like some of your operations, I'm sure, when there's not work, that means sometimes people don't get paid. What we did was tell all of our people, look, it doesn't matter what happens in April and May, you're going to get paid. I don't want you to worry about your job. Even if we don't have a project for you, you're going to get paid. You're going to keep your benefits. I don't know what's going to happen after that. I don't want you to have that worry in addition to every other worry and then have that affect your work and your spirit. As a result of being ready to go remote, 
we, we'd been working on the ability to be a remote company, but not anywhere in you know the next year. And when we were able to do it and to exhibit the security that was already in place, we picked up a lot more work. Our second quarter was much better than our first. And our third is starting out much better than the second. From that same client, a first-time client, an international law firm who appreciated the fact that our security was what it was. But when they saw that we could demonstrate that level of security remotely, and they had the confidence that we would be able to do it. That was a leadership decision as much as a management decision about the commitment you made to your people. Let's talk a bit about the removal of geographic constraints. The first thing you touched on was security. How did you go about, without sort of nerding out on the InfoSec in depth, but how did you go about kind of thinking (laughs) about security? And how did you go about thinking about people working out of sight? I'll exhaust my knowledge very quickly. I can't tell you how we did it. What I know is that we had been preparing for months to actually solve this problem. That is, when you have very particular specialized talent that you need working and you have difficulty recruiting that talent in the geographic area where you are, you need to be able to work remotely, securely, safely. That's the problem we were solving for. Then we would be able to scale. We just didn't know it was going to happen in a matter of months. (laughs) To simplify, we connect remotely in the exact same way that we connect in our office. So those same security measures, infrastructure is in place no matter where you are. At risk of some of my colleagues rolling their eyes if they listen (laughs) to this, I'm personally a very structured person. So I'm very structured in what I call a rhythm, rhythm of of things like one-to-ones or weekly tacticals, daily water coolers. I wonder though, that rhythm, if it actually helps because it's a structure for people. People know that they, that they can rely on that time with me. Does it create some sort of inauthentic or is it invasive in the sense of like, oh, you know, I've got to do that meeting with Liam. Now, I just had my last one with him two weeks mm-hmm. ago. So the only way to answer that question is by the outcome. What is the outcome that you want from the regular rhythm? Mm-hmm. Do you want people to know that you have a regular rhythm and so they can count on that and you're holding them accountable? Do you want something else to come out of that? you analyze the practice and the effectiveness by the outcome. I do think that there is, regardless of the cadence, there is value in checking in on a regular basis. There is some security in knowing I'm going to get to speak with my direct supervisor. I like your point there about being very mindful of what result do you want to achieve, and that should drive your practice as opposed to your rhythm should drive your rhythm. If you don't have an outcome then you're both going to realize, but perhaps not express, this is really just checking a box and a waste of time. You don't want it for your time. The employee certainly doesn't. Is that a best practice after all? I'm wondering about the advice that we might give people who are leading teams that are perhaps earlier in their career. I sort of imagine as you get more experience in your career, go through this emotional maturity. What advice do you have for managers that are more junior or less experienced, what they might do to make sure that their people, going to your point about the outcomes, but their people are getting messages and being listened to? I think you have to think about how do we accomplish this goal together, working together and becoming effective. Are there any kind of lessons that have come through this process where you go, do you know what, if I had my time again? I hate to say this because it sounds as if I've got it all together. I don't have horror stories from the last few months. There are a ton of heroes from the last few months. You sound like quite an optimistic leader. There's been a lot of woe is us. So what's gone on there? We made it through a really tough time. When I said there are a lot of heroes, there truly are. I mean, at every level, the company made a commitment to them and they made a commitment to the company. And we really are in this all together. Great opportunities came our way. 
we delivered on those opportunities in such a fantastic way that clients wanted us to continue working for them. And so there's more work and we're scaling. That's the business part of it. The human part of it is we just went through a really tough time together and we made it. You could analogize it to boot camp. The opportunity is what's next, not what are we going to go back to? They're still going back. It's what are we going toward? It's not going to be like it was before. I hope that our folks have that sense. You feel like you've got a team that's been forged through this experience. People will talk about, well, how do you build trust? And people will often say, well, you build trust through conversation and dialogue and understanding. And I acknowledge that is true. I have a sense in the workplace that you build trust by really solving difficult problems together that often involve difficult decisions or difficult conversations, difficult actions in some cases. But I really do believe that if you want to get a team to be effective, They've got to face a really difficult challenge. With this experience that you've had, are there any opportunities that you wouldn't have dared to think too much about? We have more attorneys working today than we had physical space for. The thing about it is much of our team didn't even think about it. One particular huge project happening now and then about a dozen others at our last weekly meeting, our leadership meeting, I said, has anybody taken the time to think about the fact that What was a limitation of our space, our physical space, doesn't exist. But the other one is for talent. And again, particularly in the legal space, regardless when you're not bound by geography and you can recruit the talent that you need nationwide or worldwide, then your bar can be higher. You can vet for technology ability. You can vet for subject matter expertise, whatever you need. And so we have been able to recruit better talent, more diverse geographically. That has not been something that we did before. In a sense to you, some constraints have been removed. Physical space constraints, access to talent constraints, that makes you a more formidable competitor. The good thing about that for talent in the legal space is that there is more opportunity than perhaps there was in the past where your careers were restricted to working in certain types of organization, removing constraints. But there's also great opportunity for the people that work in our industry. Now you are able to work in law companies as well. You don't have to be close to an urban center. There are great benefits for companies by this opening up of the mind. You've obviously a digital business and you are operating more digitally perhaps than ever before. I mean, I realize that's all relative. What do you think operating in a more digital way is going to mean for law departments and for the businesses that they serve? The kinds of things that you've observed What do you think it's going to mean for law departments inside those customers? I think you should have higher expectations. What we've been talking about quickly, without regard to geography, we can get superior talent at great value. And if you apply that same rubric or construct to what law departments or lawyers that we work with should expect, they should expect the same thing. We should be able to deliver that. We should be able to deliver it. There are more options available. There's great talent available different ways of doing things and different ways of operating. We should all be considering those, whether it's in our own businesses or the vendors that we that we hire. The expectation should be that we're not bound by those traditional ways that we've been thinking of it. I know we're coming towards the end of our conversation. Let me ask you just a couple of closing questions. Leadership in tough times requires dot, dot, dot authenticity. People have to know that you're right there with them. They're going to know if you're not. The authentic leader is the leader that can communicate and that people will follow. 
I mean, how do you teach people to be authentic? That's probably just who I am. I try to be upfront and straightforward. We can learn skills that will help us to be better leaders, more empathetic, to listen better. Absolutely, we can do that. It feels to me like if you fall into the pool of authenticity and you don't die, that's helpful. It's not as if being our authentic self is always the best thing to put forward. <laughs> authenticity is also vulnerability, and sometimes that doesn't work out well. On that note, I think that we've covered a lot here today. It's great to meet a leader in legal, authentic leader. Likewise, and let me leave you with this. I don't know if you've listened or, or read any of Simon Sinek's. He's talking about rivals and competitors. You know, competitors play a zero-sum game. You get some or I get some, and rivals learn from each other, and they help each other be better. Uh, that's the way I view Elevate. You're a much larger company. We can help each other be better. It's the difference between the infinite game and the finite game. I couldn't agree with you more. I hope that more of us share with each other and get to know each other. I do like that distinction. I'll need to noodle on that. That may be the next thing that we talk about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Liam. Thank you. Tune in to the next episode of the Elevate Together podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and ElevateServices.com.